Hey, what's up, folks? This is Tony Brewer. You're listening to Cogitations. Cogitations is the podcast where we think about things, we contemplate them, we turn them over in our minds, and then we discuss them. Daniel chapter 7, verse 28, Daniel writes, Hitherto is the end of the matter. As for me, Daniel, my cogitations much troubled me. My countenance changed in me, but I kept the matter in my heart. Now, we are not going to keep the matter in our heart. We're going to talk about it. And today we're going to talk about uh, the Holy Spirit's role in understanding the Bible. And it's a pretty simple role. This It's not mystical. It's not magical. Folks, I put forth to you that we must get the occult out of the church. We got to get these foolish superstitions out of the church, thinking that the Holy Spirit has to illuminate something that is breathed out by God that has already been revealed. That's, I, I just, that blows my mind. It's, it is akin to not walking under a ladder or going crazy if a black cat crosses your path or throwing salt over your shoulder if you spill it. It's just, it's a cult. It's superstitious. It's, it's Calvinistic. And it, quite frankly, is arrogant. And, and it's, it's not arrogant as in human beings thinking how good they are. It's arrogant to think that God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are so like us that if they write an, if they write an article, if they write a letter or an article or a book, that they would have to come back later and explain themselves because they didn't do it correctly the first time. Are you able to write a letter where somebody can understand it, where you don't have to go back and re-explain it or explain it in the first place? Can you write in a manner that is adequately complex and specific enough to convey your intended message clearly and concisely? If the answer is yes, and you think that the Holy Spirit has to illuminate the Scripture so you can understand them, then you think you're better than God. What's up, Angie B? Uh, good to see you. John Exum, Equipping Expositors Ministry. If we need an illumination of the Spirit to help understand the Bible, what does that say about the author who wrote it? It says that he was inadequate to the task for which he set out. Good comments. Good comments this morning. Um, yeah, any, anyone who says they are getting special revelation from God poses a massive threat to the integrity of scriptures, to the faith once and for all delivered to the saints. Good stuff. All right. And Angie B says, good morning from Texas. Let me tell you, if if you would, and if and if you're watching this, whatever platform you're watching on, be sure and interact with it. But the biggest thing you could do is long press and share to your particular social media platform. If you're watching this on YouTube and you have a Facebook page, share that YouTube live stream on your Facebook page. That would be great. Um before we get into the meat of our podcast, I'm going to word from our sponsor. Uh, we, we have a sponsor. We read this ad every day. 
uh, it won't be long before I'll be able to memorize it or before I'll have it memorized. Uh, Lindsay Faye Dotson, Lindsay Faye Dotson at gmail.com. Look at the bottom left of the screen. Are you part of a congregation seeking effective ways to spread the word about your event? Well, look no further. Lindsay Dotson specializes in designing modern advertisements for churches and other organizations that she sees fit. Whether it's flyers, postcards, or social media graphics, Lindsay has got you covered. Reach out through a private message, which is or, or on Facebook, or send an email, which is the preferred method, to lindsayfaydotson at gmail.com for more details. Don't miss this opportunity to make your message resonate far and wide. Contact Lindsay Faye Dotson today. And her contact information, lindsayfaydotson at gmail.com. It's right there on the screen, and you'll be happy that you did. Now, if you want to support this show, if you want, if you like what we do and you want to say, you know what, uh, I'm going to give these guys a couple bucks. You can do that through nearchurches at gmail.com. That is the, um, that's the PayPal that we have. Aaron Dotson and I, we have that. We use it for various and sundry different needs that come up. Uh, but going into 2024, just about 100% of your donations are going to go into advertising the platform. And we, if we can get enough, uh, uh, if we can get enough monetary support, we're going to start trying to get guests to come on the show. And the right thing to do is offer those guests honorariums. We had Eric Lyons from Apologetics Press. We didn't discuss it. He didn't ask. We didn't volunteer, but there was no honorarium given. Uh, for the good show that he gave us on Tuesday, uh, we we really need to, even if we didn't give it to Eric Lyons, we need to donate $100 to apologetics pl press platform. So it's just the right thing to do. And the more support that we can get, the the better we can treat our guests. And that means the, quite frankly, the higher caliber guests we can get. And that's all I've got here about that. So in the show notes, there's Patreon and buy me a coffee. You can donate that way as well, but the absolute best way and the most bang for your buck to support Christianity now is Substack. Incidentally, tomorrow, the article for tomorrow is written by our good friend of, of, of me and Aaron and the show, Todd Clippard. And the topic is whether or not God speaks to us today. Does God speak to us the way he would speak directly to people in the, in the, in the ancient times? So it's a good article. It's all set up and ready to go, and I can't wait for it to come out. Uh, now back to the chats. Good morning, Terry Crooks and Diana Harden. It's good to see you. So in the show notes, there's a, there's a link to an article that I wrote for Substack, the role of, uh, the role of the Holy spirit in understanding scripture, a perspective on the Berean example. So I'm going to read, I'm not going to read this whole article, but we're going to use it to kind of launch pad into, um, into the into the crux of the matter, I think the reason people believe that the Holy Spirit must illuminate Scripture is a misunderstanding of what is going on in First Corinthians chapter two and what is being taught, and Acts chapter eight with Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. All right, but check out this: the role of the Holy Spirit in interpreting Scripture has been a subject of significant discussion. While some traditions emphasize the necessity of the Holy Spirit's illumination 
for understanding the scriptures, an alternative perspective can be drawn from the account of the noble Bereans in Acts chapter 17, 10, and 11. So what we're trying to do here today is explore the viewpoint that the Holy Spirit, having inspired the scriptures, does not necessitate further illumination for understanding. In other words, the Holy Spirit wrote well enough the first time that it's not going to take a miracle for you to understand it today. I think the illumination idea came from Calvin's doctrine of irresistible grace, but I may be wrong. John, I don't think it came from it. I think that these doctrines kind of sprung up together. Nothing happens in a vacuum. So I would imagine that Calvin's doctrine informed the illumination of the spirit or illumination of the scriptures and the illumination of the scriptures informed Calvin's doctrine, which anyway, it's, it's, I, I think that's probably a, a better way to conceptualize it is I don't, I'm I wouldn't say that Calvin spawned this doctrine, but I also, again, it doesn't, I also, am not going to say that Calvin had no influence over it at all. So something to think about anyway. So let, let's talk about this case study for clarity in Scripture, the Berean example. The Berean, as, in, as recorded in Acts, provide a compelling example of scriptural engagement. Now listen to this. Upon hearing the Apostle Paul's teachings, they diligently examined the Scriptures. That would be the Old Testament to us. And they examined them daily to ascertain the truth of Paul's message. Remarkably, this scrutiny was undertaken without the Holy Spirit's illumination as they had not yet been converted to Christ. Let me expound on this. The argument goes, and, and I'm getting ahead of myself, but we're going to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2 later. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 uses the language of a juxtaposition of the natural man versus the spiritual man. And people take that and they say, oh, well, that's somebody that has the Holy Spirit who's been baptized into Christ versus someone who does not have the Holy Spirit who has not been baptized into Christ. So I'm going to use for the next few minutes those terms accommodatively because that is not what that passage means. The Bereans were natural. They did not have the Holy Spirit. Paul was spiritual as in he had the Holy Spirit. He's inspired of God. So a Holy Spirit-inspired um, individual, a spiritual man, preaching a spiritual message that is divinely revealed from God Almighty, according to the argument, the interpretation of 1 Corinthians 2, the natural men who do not have the Holy Spirit are able to take divinely inspired scriptures that they have in their possession and compare the message of a spiritual man with the divinely inspired spiritual message of the scriptures they had in their possession and ascertain, understand, and draw a conclusion and rightly understand whether or not what the spiritual man was saying is true. Folks, this one account shows that in order to understand the spiritually the, the spiritual message of divinely inspired writing, one does not need a miracle. One does not need illumination from the Holy Spirit. One does not have to be a spiritual man. 
I believe that the natural man is the uninspired man and the spiritual man is those who were inspired. Absolutely. And in the context, it would be the apostles, I believe. Because the, the, the chapter two of first Corinthians is talking about inspiration. So this account suggests that the scriptures as divinely inspired are inherently clear and accessible. The Bereans' ability to understand and validate Paul's teachings using the Old Testament posits that individuals can discern God's will through a sincere and earnest study of the Scripture sans direct operation of the Holy Spirit. In other words, you don't need the Holy Spirit to understand the Scriptures because the Holy Spirit wrote in such a way the first time where they can be understood. Here's how I conceptualize this. Microsoft has their version of a cloud. I can't remember. Some of you in the comments may be able to tell me what it is. I can't remember. Apple has, well, the Apple has iCloud. Microsoft has, I can't remember what. But, so you have software and hardware. So there's information in this computational cloud, and the software of the cloud is compatible with the hardware. Now, think about this. You and I are hardware. I'm pointing to my head. There is information in the cloud. God revealed the information, and he did it in such a way that is compatible with the hardware. You and I are compatible with the message. It's written in such a way where we can understand it. It's not like a third-party workaround. If you want to have a Microsoft computer, a Windows computer that runs Microsoft, yet you want to use Apple's iCloud, then you have to have a workaround, a third party that allows that to happen. There is no such needed with God. If you want to understand God's will and ascertain his will and what he wants, that information is there, and we don't need a third party, i.e. illumination from the Holy Spirit, to make us compatible with that message. God is reasonable, and God is able to reason together with human beings, and God is able to communicate his message rightly, concisely, and clearly in a manner where it's to be able to be understood the first time. He does not need to bestow a miracle in order for you to understand the message. All right. Could you make a principal point that those who don't focus on spiritual things like the natural man, I've heard it said that way. No, I think that I, I don't, I don't, I don't buy that. I don't agree with it. It's lazy hermeneutics. And it's also not principled. It's not, it doesn't show character or conviction. You can't have it both ways. Well, the natural, now, now if you want to say, listen, allegorically, if you're a natural man, you don't think about spiritual things. If you're a spiritual man, you don't think about natural things. I put forth to you that there's no reason to use that allegory. It's just confusing. Go to Colossians chapter 3. If you then be risen with Christ, set your affection on those things which are above. Where Christ, well, ah, that's terrible. 
Set your affection on those things that are above, not on the things of the earth, for ye are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall you also appear with him in glory. Use that. Make that principal point from there. If you're a, if you're a man who's not in Christ, you, you, you don't set your affection on those things that are above. You don't focus on those metaphysical spiritual things. But if you're a spiritual man, if you're dead and you've been spiritually resurrected and your life is hid with Christ in, or with God in Christ, or hold on, if your life is hid with Christ in God, then you're a spiritual being and you think about those things which are above in the spiritual region. That's why not use that passage of scripture instead of twisting first Corinthians chapter two. The Holy Spirit is what breathed the scriptures. Why would the Holy Spirit bother inspiring the word if they're still, hold on a second. Let me do this. I want to read this comment. Well, all of it don't show up. Hold on. I'll get it. The Holy Spirit is what breathed the scriptures. Why would the Holy Spirit bother inspiring the word if there still needed to be direct operation of the same spirit to understand it? Why not just reveal the message directly to each person and cut out the unnecessary step? Jason Scott, that is a wonderful comment that uh, is a tipped hat to the law of parsimony. The parsimony of God, God does what he needs to do good enough the first time that it does not need to be repeated. That's it. And that's a good question. There's, there's no answer to that question, Jason. Why would the Holy Spirit bother inspiring the word if there still needed to be a direct operation for people to understand the word? That means that the that the initial inspiring of the word was futile. And that gets us into the next section, sufficiency of divine inspiration. The argument for the non-necessity of the Holy Spirit's illumination and understanding the scripture can be grounded in the concept of its divine inspiration, which is what Jason just, just hit on. If the Holy Spirit has already breathed the scriptures, imparting them with divine truth and wisdom, which he has, then it is then the necessity of additional spiritual illumination for the for their comprehension must be questioned. The inspiration of the Holy Spirit is affirmed in 2 Timothy 3, 16, 17. For all spirit, scripture is given by the inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine and correction and instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. If the man of God is perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works, what works are needed that he cannot do that, that the understanding of them needs to, be needs to be illuminated by the scriptures or needs to be illuminated by the Holy Spirit? The scriptures are sufficient. So 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 attest to the completeness and sufficiency of the scriptures. This divine inspiration implies that the scriptures are inherently accessible and comprehensible, crafted specifically for earnest seekers of the truth to understand without further spiritual intervention, just as a well-written letter conveys its message clearly, 
so too the Holy Spirit in authoring the scriptures ensures their clarity, eliminating the need for additional miraculous help. Folks, I don't understand how people can believe this. That's if, if, if God is not a God that is able to write in such a way as mankind can understand, then that is not a God I want to serve. So let's talk about the problem with divergent interpretations. The diversity of, the, of interpretation of Scripture under the premise that the Holy Spirit illuminates the Scriptures and helps people and guides them miraculously in their understanding raises questions about the reliability and objectivity of such guidance. It suggests that relying on subjective spiritual experiences for scriptural interpretation would undermine the objective standard and clarity inherent in the scriptures. Besides which, all of these people who hold opposing viewpoints of scripture and understandings of scripture, they can't all be guided by the scripture. So I put forth to you the only conclusion to draw is either the Holy Spirit illuminates the Scripture so mankind can understand it correctly, or the Holy Spirit has failed. Okay? Now, what, what do I mean by he's failed? He doesn't, he doesn't communicate all of the Scriptures the same way to every man, every individual. Well, go to 1 Corinthians 14. God's not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches. And those two terms there in 1 Corinthians 14, order and chaos. God's not the author of chaos, which is what we have today. We have religious chaos in Christendom because people don't understand the Bible alike. Well, if, if the Holy Spirit is operating to teach and guide men to the proper understanding of Scripture, then he has failed greatly because there's too much religious chaos. Folks, the notion that the Holy Spirit's direct operation is not required for scriptural understanding reinstates the Bible as the objective standard for truth. It encourages individuals to engage deeply with the text, using reason and study while maintaining the integrity and sufficiency of the scriptures as the source of divine revelation. The Berean example, and, and let's, let's go to Acts 17. I want to read this. Well, hold on a second. Okay, and the brethren immediately sent away Paul and Silas by night unto Berea, who coming thither went into the synagogue of the Jews. These were more noble than those in Thessalonica, in that they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily whether these things were so. Therefore, many of them believed. See, they believed because of the searching of the scripture and receiving of the word with all readiness. The believe is a metonymy for salvation, okay? Uh, let's keep going. These were more noble. Therefore, verse 12, many of them believed also of honorable women, which were Greeks and of men, not a few. Folks, the noble Bereans searched the scriptures 
to validate Paul's message before they were saved and quote-unquote received the Spirit according to this foolish doctrine. So here you have people who are not spiritual unless you're arguing that the Jews at this point were spiritual. They were not saved, but yet they searched the Scriptures and they were under, able to understand the Scriptures well enough to, to validate and check and criticize Paul's message, and they concluded it to be true. And because of that, they obeyed the gospel. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. How do you deal with that? You have people who are not Christians able to understand the scriptures well enough to become Christians. And you have people who are not Christians able to understand the scriptures well enough to critique and scrutinize a person who was a Christian preaching a word that was divinely revealed. Tell me again how you need the Holy Spirit to understand the scriptures. Folks, you don't. Is God the author of confusion? No. If we need an illumination by the Holy Spirit, then that means he's the author of confusion. Thus, we have violated the law of non-contradiction. All right, so let's go to Acts chapter 8 and notice something. Let's see. All right, verse 29 of Acts chapter 8. Then the Spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to this chariot. And Philip ran thither to him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah and said, Understandest thou what thou readest? In other words, do you know what you're reading? Now, I've heard this presented many different ways. I've heard people make a, make a point about, well, this, this Philip, Philip seems like he's, you know, I mean, Philip seems like he's being kind of rude here. And I'm like, he's not being rude. Think about, okay, John Exum is in the comment section. Let's say that me and John Exum was walking a freshly plowed field somewhere around Hannibal, Missouri. And Jonathan stubs his toe and almost falls down. And then he picks up the chunk of dirt upon which he stubbed his toe. And he said, look at this, man, this is heavy. And he starts to throw it. And then I grab his arm and say, hey, no, do you understand what you're holding? And there's excitement in my voice. And he says, well, no. Oh, well, let me show you. And I move some of that dirt off. And it turns out Jonathan stubbed his toe on a 10-pound gold chunk. Now, that'd be pretty good. That's finding a treasure in a field, folks. The Ethiopian eunuch was reading Isaiah, and Philip, do you know what you're reading? You found something in a field way more precious than gold or silver. Well, the eunuch says, how can I know except some man guide me? And I have heard preeminent brethren in the churches of Christ say that because of this scripture, every person who picks up a Bible is unable to understand it and needs a baptized into Christ individual to explain to them the scriptures or else they won't be able to understand. Folks, in the context, Philip, oops, 
Philip was the New Testament. Philip was a prophet. He had divine revelation. If the Ethiopian eunuch had a copy of what I'm holding in my hand right here, he would not have needed some man to guide him. You, if you're listening to this and you have never obeyed the gospel, if you don't know what obeying the gospel means, if you're not a Christian and you're trying to find the truth, you do not need anything but the Bible. Luke chapter 8, verse 11, after the parable of the sower. Luke 8, 11, the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. We're born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible. By the word of God, it liveth and abideth forever. 1 Peter 1, 23. We have to be born again of corruptible seed. 1 Corinthians 12. We've all, we were all baptized into one, into, into one body by the Spirit. Well, how did the Spirit do it? The Spirit revealed information and instructions, and we followed it. Okay? You do not need another individual who is a Christian plus the Bible in order for you to be a Christian because the seed is the Word of God. And it's the word of God, according to Paul in the book of Acts, chapter 20, that's able to build you up and give you an inheritance among those that believe. Go read that text. You don't need the Holy Spirit, folks. There's no operation of the Holy Spirit that is needed today in order for you to understand the Bible, in order for you to become a Christian, in order for you to remain a Christian. The scriptures are all sufficient to make one wise unto salvation, according to Paul writing to Timothy, to equip the man of God, to thoroughly furnish him to all good works. The scriptures, the, the, according as he has given unto us all things that pertain to life and godliness by the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue, Second Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Well, what do you know about Jesus outside the fact that he exists? Nothing. Any knowledge you have of Jesus, you found in this book. So all things that pertain to life and godliness are given to us in the knowledge of Jesus. Where do you find the knowledge of Jesus? It's in this book. You do not need the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's already done his work. The denominations like to say, well, just trust in the finished work of the cross. Yeah, but they don't believe the work of the cross was actually finished because they believe the Holy Spirit's out here still doing direct operation on the hearts and minds of men. Yeah, and Paul did not say something that was knowledgeable, whereby when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. That's Ephesians chapter 3. So, now, you do not need an individual to explain to you the Bible if you're not a Christian. That's the height of foolishness. But let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and let's look at this chapter and see if we can put that in its context and, and get rid of this silly notion that the juxtaposition of the spiritual man and the natural man is a juxtaposition of one who is in Christ or outside of Christ. Thus, the reason it was written down by the Holy Spirit, the world is all that, or excuse me, the word 
is all that is needed. Obey the word. Let me tell you, Rusty, if I, I added an L to the word word that made it world, and that really messes up the comment, doesn't it? But the word, the word is all that is needed. Terry Crooks, I think that some people may be misinterpreting certain scriptures in the Bible which were originally intended for the apostles and not for us today. Yes, yes, and yes. It's like the comforter. The Holy Spirit is not our comforter. The Holy Spirit was the apostles' comforter. We have a comforter. It's Jesus Christ, the righteous. Go read 1 John chapter 2. For instance, some people may believe that speaking in tongues and performing miracles or speaking on behalf of God are still necessary or expected practices for Christians today. Absolutely. And they've got it wrong. And incidentally, uh, we have a, a, a long comment here uh, from Jason Scott. I suggest everybody read that comment. It's a good comment, and it's true. It's just long, and I'm running out of time. All right. Second Corinthians, no, no, no. First Corinthians chapter two. I'm going to take me a swig of coffee and I'm going to do some reading here. Some reading. My old teachers would say, you drop your G's too often. Reading, writing, arithmetic. All right. And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. And as I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling, and my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Howbeit we speak wisdom among them. I am fully convinced and convicted that the we here is not an editorial we for anybody that decides to preach the word. It is specifically for the apostles. Okay, now, now let's get this. Howbeit we speak wisdom among them that are perfect, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor of the princes of this world that come to nothing. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew, for had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. In other words, the revelation that was given on the day of Pentecost and subsequently then given to Paul off screen, none of the people of the world, none of the people in authority in the world knew it because it was unable to be found out. It had to be revealed. It was a mystery. It was concealed. And if they had known it the way the apostles known it, they would have never crucified Jesus Christ. But as it is written, I hath not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. Folks, that's inspiration. That's not talking about heaven. I've seen 1 Corinthians 2, verse 9, uh, cited in relation to heaven. It is not. Eyes not seen, ear is not heard, neither is entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. This is speaking of the revelation of the new covenant 
the coming of the Messiah, all of that stuff. He's he's going back to the Old Testament there. Verse 10, but God hath revealed it unto us. Well, unto whom was revelation given? It was given to the apostles. Okay? Who was guided into all truth on the day of Pentecost? It was the apostles. That's why I think the we and the us, Paul is using that to talk about the apostles. But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of a man save the spirit of man which is in him? So in other words, you don't know what I'm thinking. I happen to be thinking about an orange. My spirit revealed what was in my mind. That's how the Holy Spirit works. The Holy Spirit reveals what's in the mind of God. That's inspiration. That's revelation. Okay? So if we understand that you can't know what another man is thinking unless he tells you, then we understand that we don't know what God is thinking unless God tells us. And how is it that man tells other men what he's thinking? It's words born along by the Spirit, by his Spirit, his breath. Well, God the Father, his, his, what's in his mind? We don't know unless the words that are commensurate and match what is in his mind are born along by his spirit, the Holy Spirit. That's how revelation works. That's how inspiration works. Now, even so, the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. Now, verse 12, now we, I believe that's the apostles, have received not the Spirit of the world but the Spirit which is of God that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God, which things also we speak not in the word which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual words. There's an ellipsis there, and if you read the, this is, this is verse 13. If you read the American Standard 1901, they actually, Westcott and Hort actually puts the ellipsis there. We compare spiritual things with spiritual words. But the natural man, now in the context, the natural man is one who is not an apostle. It's one who doesn't have divine inspiration and revelation. So the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. So if you're not inspired by God, you will not be able to know God's mind because the things that are in God's mind are spiritually discerned. You have to wait until somebody communicates what's in the mind of God. But he that is spiritual judgeth all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. For who hath known the mind of the Lord? that he may instruct him. Well, nobody, but we have the mind of Christ. Folks, that's it. This is a chapter on inspiration. This is not teaching that if you're baptized into Christ and have the Holy Spirit indwelling you, then you can understand the Bible. 
the juxtaposition between the natural man and the spiritual man is not a Christian versus somebody that's lost. In my conviction, in my studied opinion, it's a juxtaposition between an apostle and everybody else, but I will concede and say that it's possible it's a juxtaposition between someone who has the spirit of God in him as in divine revelation versus someone who who does not. So, yeah. Now, <laughs> John's talking about his raising and the dropping of the G's. So again, there's absolutely no reason for you to need a miracle in order to understand what God's written. That is an indictment against God. You can understand the Bible. In fact, you're commanded to study, give diligence to show thyself approved unto God, workman that needeth not to be ashamed, handling aright the word of truth or rightly dividing the word of truth. I blended the American Standard 1901 with the King James Version. Folks, I don't understand how this is, a, how this is an issue of, of contention. I don't understand how it's an issue of contention amongst the Lord's people in the church of Christ. The age of miracles is done. We have revelation. We have that which is perfect. If you have people today getting illumination from the Holy Spirit, then you have that person. He's more authoritative than the scriptures themselves. Because I can't go to the scriptures and check what he's claiming the scriptures mean because I can't understand it because they're not illuminated for me. That means the holy scriptures then are an afterthought, they're substandard, they're subpar, and they will not accomplish the reason for which they were sent. If you can ascertain the night, not the nitrogen cycle, if you can ascertain the water cycle, how precipitation falls from the heavens and gives nutrients to the earth and grass grows and seed grows so that the sower has seed and the eater has food and then that water evaporates and returns to the heavens from whence it came. If you can understand that, then you can understand that God's word has a purpose and that purpose will be accomplished. It will not return in him void or vain. That's Isaiah 55, 10 and 11. Amen. The apostle, pardon me. Amen. The apostles were uh, were the ambassadors of Christ. Second Corinthians five eighteen through twenty one. They spoke for Christ on earth. This is in the greater context of their problem of sectarianism. It's a segue of worldly wisdom and heavenly wisdom as well. The apostles spoke for God. The text I was mentioning is First Corinthians two. Yeah, th th that's the thing. I believe. I'm convicted that Paul, the we, and the us here is the apostles, and I believe it ties in perfectly with 2 Corinthians chapter 5 as a follow-up. And uh, David Stafford, I don't know if you've ever looked at this, but that Greek word ambassador, in English, it's a noun. In Greek, it's a verb. Go look at that and, and parse that verse out in the Greek. And, 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 and change it into English 
while keeping the verb of ambassador. It's very interesting. There is no way you and I can be ambassadors for Christ because that's not what the Greek term means. In English, if if I'm in the United States, if I'm from the United States and I'm in Canada, people can say and the, and 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 it's true. Well, well, you're representing the United States. You're an ambassador of sorts. Yeah, that's that's true enough. But I'm not technically an ambassador in the formal sense. In other words, I don't perform the duties of an ambassador, which the apostles were. The apostles had authority. I don't have any authority. I can't, I can't sign contracts on behalf of the United States with foreign governments. I'm not an ambassador of the United States. So anyway, um, Good, good quote there. Let me let me get these two. The idea of direct operation of the Holy Spirit and interpretation is dangerous. I once had a denominational preacher tell me that First Corinthians three teaches that there are extra rewards in heaven for obedience. He said he knew that because he had prayed and the Holy Spirit had given him assurance. The problem is that interpretation makes no sense within the context of the analogy in the passage. He had essentially turned his brain off because he felt the Holy Spirit had backed up his opinion. And isn't it funny how many times whenever a denominational person goes to the goes to God and prays for the guidance of the Holy Spirit and understanding a passage, it always the Holy Spirit always validates his current understanding and never proves him wrong. Anyway, good comment, Jason. Robert Leedy says, We can understand God's word when we read. Ephesians 3, 4, we may need help in understanding just like the eunuch did in Acts 8, but it ought to be even easier for us under, to, to understand that it was for the eunuch because we have God's completed revelation to man. That's it. Yeah, I mean, look, obviously there's syntax, there's semantics, there's definition of terms, there's context, there's, there's historical context, and all of that good stuff. So it may be that if I don't know anything about the historical context, and if I'm not familiar with the word on the page, then I'm going to, I'm going to consult a history book, and I'm going to consult a dictionary, and I may even consult a lexicon. That is the same thing as having three men help me. But here's the deal. If I didn't have access to that, I put forth that I could still suss out the meaning of the text. I don't know. I'm, this blows my mind that it's such a controversial topic. And I'm, I'm so, like, for instance, let me, let, me, let, me, let me explain something here. This article, Christianity Now, the, uh, uh, for the Christianity Now substack, the role of the Holy Spirit in understanding Scripture, um, I'm going to go to my dashboard here, and I'm going to give you my analytics. Um, usually within 48 hours, I, I hit, uh, close to a hundred views, but at 6 2 AM this morning is whenever this article released and it's already been viewed 128 times. The article from yesterday, maintaining positivity in a fallen world, it did very well in comparison to the other articles. And it was viewed 98 times within 48 hours. So this one's been viewed 128 times in six hours. 
maintaining positivity in a fallen world has been viewed 98 times in 48. What does that tell you? That tells you that this is a contentious topic. And I'm, 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 it's just, it's, it's just wow. Um, and I'm so thankful. I mean, look, I'm glad that the, that the article is gaining traction. And I would hope that every one of you would share the article in your timeline. And especially tomorrow's article about how God speaks to us or does God speak to us directly that was written by Todd Clippert, an excellent article. He, he sums it up and makes about as, as good an articulation of the, of the issue and an argument uh, as, as I've seen. And, I, and, and he, he's, he did it in about 750 words. So that's, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. So anyway, yeah, I, I hope I've made a good case. I've hope, I hope that I've explained myself well. Um, awesome. Thank you, John. And uh, yeah, tomorrow, I can't wait for the article to come out tomorrow from Todd. He did a good job. Uh, and so incidentally, subscribing to Substack is absolutely free unless you just want to give $5 a month or a one-time donation of $50 for the year. Um, you can do $50 a year, $5 a month, or you can do, you can do, you can do $10,000 a month if you want to. If you want to do $10,000 a month, you need to talk to me. We don't need $10,000 a month. I think, I think we could take a, 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 a little bit of that. And I've got some suggestions where that money could be better spent in the brotherhood. Anyway, I got to be done. Um, all right, guys, this has been Tony Brewer's cogitations. I appreciate it, Diana Harden. I appreciate it. She said you've made some excellent points. Uh, oh, is, is did he put it out on his timeline already? Okay, I didn't realize that. Uh, I told him he could put it out on his timeline. Uh, tomorrow when the article comes out, though, I'm going to rope him into I'm going to rope him into putting the article on his timeline. Uh, he's got a lot more followers than me. So anyway, that's all I've got. Folks, be sure and subscribe to Cogitations on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and TuneIn Radio. Also, if you would, uh, be sure and consider consider supporting us monetarily. Um, Aaron Dotson and I, we're, it's it's slow, slow, slow growth. But it's it's consistent growth, and we are reaching people that are outside the quote-unquote Church of Christ bubble. And... Yeah, that, that's all I'm going to say about that. Uh, you can you can donate through PayPal, which that's up on the screen, or you can do $5 a month with Substack, or you can do Patreon or buy me a coffee. That's in the show notes. Anyway, just consider as you're, as you're lining out your finances for 2024, consider adding Christianity Now to your list of people that you support, and do not underestimate the power of a very small monetary donation. Little is much when God is in it, number one, but uh, many hands make for light work. I would rather have a thousand people like the content enough to donate a dollar a dollar a month than one person like the content enough to donate a thousand dollars, if that makes sense. All right. Folks, thank you very much, Debbie Mangus. God bless every one of you. Remember cogitations on apple podcast spotify tune in radio and podbean share the content be the algorithm for us and this has been tony brew with cogitations signing off we'll catch you on the flip side <laughs>